Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here for episode 116 of Dope Nostalgia. And I'm Naomi, your host, as always. My special guest today had an amazing hit single in the 90s called Temptation, and it was outstanding. Corina is here to talk all about what she's been up to. She's an actress, singer. She can do it all. Get to know Corina very shortly after we tell you a little bit about her history. Wikipedia Moments. As a young child growing up, born in Spanish Harlem and raised in the South Bronx of New York City, Corina always had a strong connection with music and dreamed of a lifelong career in the entertainment industry. Full of hope, potential, and possibility, she had her first taste of individual success by the age of 14 as she earned the crown for Miss Hispanic America and became the runner-up for Miss Puerto Rico revealing a true dedication to the arts that continued to guide her intuitively over the course of the years to come. It was clear she had the look, the voice, the natural ability to act, the X Factor, and the industry soon took notice. By the 90s, Karina began to make her first moves into the spotlight, fully dominating with a string of chart-topping hits including Now That You're Gone, Whispers, and Temptation. Temptation, this song here, took her all the way to number six on the US Billboard charts. Officially releasing her self-titled record in 1991, Karina's music career took off like a rocket, and in what seemed like absolutely no time at all, she was making her way into the mainstream with appearances on Entertainment Tonight, Showtime at the Apollo, and MTV's Club MTV with host downtown Julie Brown. Linking up even further with VH1 and MTV in partnership, Karina toured with legendary artists and titans of entertainment like Ice Cube, Boyz II Men, and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, while the evidence all speaks volumes on behalf of Karina's talents as a singer and songwriter, she also had many other aspirations, goals, and dreams outside of making music, which she also began to pursue. She landed incredible roles that took her to the big screen direct, starring in movies with amazing actors like Peter Dinklage, Mark Anthony, John Cusack and Susan Sarandon, Vanessa Redgrave, and an entire cast of future stars in Cradle Will Rock. After being specifically selected by none other than Tim Robbins as director to play the part of the one and only Frida Kahlo in this film. More recently, Karina has been writing screenplays, including her own sitcom pilot, Latin in America, in addition to playing the larger-than-life character of Lupita, now faithfully watched around the globe in her YouTube series online. Even with all she has achieved, Karina knew her future ahead was looking brighter than ever before. And as the world came out of lockdown, she set herself to break out with a full return to the music scene that would take her straight up to number one, where she truly belongs. Brand new single, we're going to talk about it here on the show today. And what an enjoyable person. Like, she is such a light, and I loved having a chat with her. All right, Dope Nostalgia, everybody welcome Karina to the show. All right. My name is Naomi. I'm in Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> yes, Western Canada. Where are you located? Um, uh, New York City, Manhattan. But right now we're at our family house upstate where it is three degrees. <gasps> hey, I don't worry for us. That's warm right now. <laughs> 
What? Oh my God. It was one yesterday. And I was like, why? Why? Oh, that is cold. That yeah. is, is the snow really bad too in your area right now? You know, it usually is like we literally get snowed in, which is really normal up here uh, at, at uh, upstate, which is like Columbia County. It's like 40 minutes from Albany, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, in the city, it's not so bad because they clean it up right away in Manhattan. But up here, like if it snows, you're like, I guess we're not going out for a week. You know? oh, <laughs> we live on a hill. The house is on a hill. So when it snows, the hill is long. The car isn't going anywhere. Like we're just like, oh. we, we can't even shovel this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, we're built for all of that kind of thing. But I, I still, I'm not a snow person. I don't know how I, how I do it here. But- <laughs> Me either. Me either. But what's funny is that I'm not really a heat person either. Like I can't do, mm-hmm. my husband says I have a two degree range. What is it, honey? Yeah. What is it? It's yeah. like 68. 68 to 72. <laughs> Four degrees, 68 to 70, 72. And then I'm no good. That's either hilarious. <laughs> That's so specific. I, I know. Which means I have like three comfortable days a year, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god lots of, lots of blankets lower pants or yeah 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 <laughs> so well, so yeah. karina we're going to talk a bit about uh, what happened in the 90s and we're going to talk about what you're doing now too um okay. now of course your hit that got my attention first as a teen was temptation and mm-hmm. i heard it on the open house party do you remember that syndicated radio show oh my god yes of course oh my god yeah. that's awesome that's where you first heard it open that house party. I, yeah yeah we got that show up here um what's the story behind the song and the first album Wow, that, you know, that song is, is, is particularly special because I had been doing music like recording since I was, I guess, about 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I turned about 19 years old, I had moved out, my parents had divorced, and I moved with my dad. Um, And there was a girl who I don't know, was homeless was a really sweet person I met through someone else. I wind up bringing her home with me. And she happens to be friends with a producer who's looking for a girl to sing a song. Mm. She's like, you sing, why don't you go and audition? So I meet this guy and um, the song is called Reality. And he introduces me to the one who created the music and he tells me he wrote the song. Um, So I hear it, don't like it. I'm like, look, I'll audition, but if you decide to work with me, can I rewrite the song? He's like, yeah, he says, yeah, I wrote it. So it doesn't matter. It's cool. You do what you want to do. So they go with me and I change the song. And let's say, for example, I don't remember the words to the original song, but the melody, if I use the words to my temptation, when temptation is a part of life, it doesn't matter if it's wrong or right. Temptation makes you do what you like. Of course, I turned it into temptation is a part of life right so long story short i rewrite the song we change the melody and i keep asking him who's the girl that was on it initially oh nobody it was my song blah 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 okay we wind up i find out that he's a little bit of a shady character so i stop working with him but i take the keyboard music player with me and we continue to work on our song my lyric his music 
Long story short, we try to get it signed probably for the next four years, Atlantic, RCA, all these majors. They're like, yeah, we like it. But at the time it was like, do you have another one like this artist? Because they do that. Ooh. I'm like, that's not what I do. I'm me. I wind up meeting Carlos Berrios. Same situation. He's got a song. Can I rewrite it? Yes, I rewrite it. That song comes out first, which is out of control. He gets a copy of Temptation. Nah, I don't like it. The next song, Give Me Back My Heart. That's a year after Out of Control. Then it's Loving You Like Crazy. Then I start working on an album and I go home one day and my father says, I play the album for him and he says, um, so where's Temptation? And I go, no, dad, nobody likes the song except for me. So it's not on the album. He said, yeah, well, you better get it on there because that's your big hit. Lo and behold, the album is about to come out. We're all ready to go. I, I have to go back to the label and be like, stop, because my dad said <laughs> that I got to get Temptation on the album. They're like, Karina's not going to happen. I fought. I said, well, then I'm not going to cooperate because my dad said, fine. They put the song on the album. They released the single first. It is bigger than they ever anticipated. My dad was like, mm. I told you so. And now I was like, oh my God, we need another Temptation. So they grab another song on the album, Whispers. They remix it to sound kind of like Temptation because now they're trying to keep the rhythm going. Yeah. That's the story of that song. And by the way, initially when I got a call, finally, because Carlos Burials would be the one that works on it ultimately, he calls them, says, hey, we hadn't spoken for two years. And he says in 1990, hey, I'm doing a song for Lizette Melendez. And there's a song of yours that I found from a few years back. I want to do it for her. What mm. song is that? Temptation. Absolutely not. I'm going to listen to it. If I like it, I'll do it. That's how that happened. We released the song. And if you can believe <laughs> it's a huge hit, something like a year and a half later, I am served lawsuit papers because the original song I auditioned for was in fact written by the girl who was singing and not the guy who said, do whatever you want. And the law says that if somebody sneezes on a record while you're recording, they are also a writer, <sighs> right? Yeah. So this girl was actually a writer. Even if I didn't sing her lyric and I didn't sing her melody, she had a right to a third of the song, which I tried to warn everybody about. I was like, there was a girl who sang. They were like, don't worry about it. Of course, when shit hit the fan, everyone turned their backs on me. No one remembered the conversation about the girl. The girl sues me. I wind up basically saying, you know what? If you can look at me in the face and tell me that you wrote the song I'm singing, I'll give you all of my money. But I need you to be able to look at me and do that. She couldn't do that. So we wound up on the song together. So it's written by me, this young woman and Capri, the original uh, guy who wrote the music for it. I mean, the story just goes on and on, but that's to give you an idea of how, these are things people don't know. Yeah. And you know, it's a song I love. And to this day, and I'm really happy that she got her just due because if she wrote the original song, she should have been able to be a part of the spoils. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like, I, I mean, and, and every song has a story, but that's the story of Temptation specifically. That's amazing how you work that out. Cause like, you know, like, you wow. Know, you just can't, you remember, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember when they started to say that Paula Abdul didn't sing 
her songs that she had like a ghost singer. Remember that? I remember and that. Yeah. There was some girl, she came out and she was like, I sang all the songs and then they just put her voice, sprinkled it. It's bad enough when people say you're fake, like a Millie Vanilli, mm-hmm. right? Which was a whole staged situation. It's another thing entirely when you're being accused of stealing someone else's actual material. Mm-hmm. And to me, I wasn't going down like that. It was like, you know what? I was trying to do the right thing from the beginning. And if at the end they wanted me to settle, I said, if I settle, then I'm basically saying that I robbed her. So that's not going to happen. We're yeah. not doing that. And, and the bottom line was, is that I knew she knew the truth. And the truth was that while she was fighting in court, that I was singing her song, she knew that wasn't true. And I, and I said, listen, if she has, if she has the courage to look at me in the face and tell me that she wrote my song, if she has the kind of chutzpah that it takes to do that, I will give her all my money. And I, and I signed this with my con my, with my lawyer who said, you're crazy. What if she says, yes. I'm like, well, then I know that I'm telling the truth. This story will get out and the truth has a way of rising to the top anyway. So yes. it worked out. It worked out, you know, and God bless her because she got what she deserved. She got her money. And it worked you know? out. It did. It you really, handled that very well. <laughs> I think I tried, you know, sometimes all you can do like business, they say business is business. And sometimes the truth mm-hmm. is that all the business you can do is by working with your heart through your heart, mm-hmm. you know, because the rules don't apply to everyone. When people say this is how you do it, there's no such thing. I've learned that you have to go with what feels right for you. And sometimes it's against what everybody else is telling you, you know, and that's good been advice. my story. It's good it's advice. Been my- a lot. Thank you. And more people should be taking a page out of that book. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the success of the song takes off and um, 
more opportunities open up. Now you toured with Boys to Men, according on your bio, Boys to Men, Ice Cube, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. What were these tours like? Like what kind of um, what kind of fun did you guys get up to? Oh my God. Well, for starters, um, I was the only artist in my genre that was blessed with an MTV and a VH1 tour, which is how I got on with Boys to Men and Marky Mark. And that was a huge deal because my music freestyle is considered, it was considered back in the late 80s and early 90s, a kind of uh, neighborhood music, right? So there was a certain uh, community of people that supported and listened to this music. So an artist like myself succeeding in the way that, and especially A Temptation did, was a way to take the community out into the world and say, hey, look, we can do this too, right? And put a little bit of a spin on what we all know to be racism and all the isms and the sexism and all these really sad realities that we deal with. It was like, look, and I, uh, um, um, I'm a strong woman. Uh, I have a lot to say. I have an opinion. I write, I produce, I can do all these things. And I'm Puerto Rican from the South Bronx. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, if, and I'll go further and say, listen, my parents worked really hard and, you know, there was a lot working against them because they were very young. My mother was 18 when I was born. My father married her. He was 19, barely 19. And these two people did whatever jobs they could get so they could feed their child, which was me. And um, we, I grew up on welfare and food stamps and two parents. And I'm proud of that because my parents busted their asses. As soon as they could get off of it, they did. They put me through private school. I'm literally the best representation of being raised in like the most urban of urban places in the world with burnt down buildings. And to mm. me, I am, I am an example of what you could do if you really believe that there's something in your heart you want to do in life, you know? And so I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm proud of where I come from. I'm proud of my people and having a hit record and being able to shine a light on that part of myself is really important because people have ideas and isms and shit that they're stuck in. And I'm yeah. saying, listen, look at me. You know what I'm saying? I'm really, I'm proud. I'm proud. And I have nieces and nephews that are doing wonderful things because they had someone they could look at and, and, and feel, oh, I can aspire to this. I can do this too. And that's important to me, you know? Very inspirational for everybody. Thank you. So for the tours, it was, um, yeah, when they called boys to men was new and Marky was new and I was new. And so it was, it was a situation where we, the first thing we did was a, a six flags tour across the country, all the six flags in that type of uh, venue. Um, and we took turns headlining, which was really awesome. So like, if we went to California, Marky was probably number one. If we went to Atlanta, boys to men was number one. If we were in Philly, I was probably number one. And it was just like, they were my brothers. You know what I mean? Mark um, and, and the boys were like, to this day, I have just the most incredible love for these people. And many years later, you know, Marky was shooting something uh, somewhere in Harlem and my sister uh, was passing by. There was a crowd. And she said to him, um, hey, Marky. And he and she she flags him down. And he waves back and she says, I'm Karina's sister. And he jumps out, grabs her, hugs her and says, yo, you tell her I love my girl. You give, I mean, this is what these people Aww. were like. 
You know what I mean? And that's years later. And other people have told me, hey, I ran into Mark and he was like giving his love. And the guys too, it's like, I don't know. It was a real labor of love. It was different. It was being around people that would turn into be, who would turn out the most enormous stars. I think of Mark Anthony. Mark and I did a movie before anybody knew who he was, you know? And he was just this awkward, skinny, 90 pound guy with really thick glasses with this huge voice. And now, you know, he goes on to marry JLo. And it's like, I'm so proud of these people, you know? And I'm, I'm so happy that there are no degrees of separation and that I've had so many examples of people that can actually live a dream that come from the same types of backgrounds, including Mark, who came from like a very poor background, you know, existence as a child. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've been blessed and blessed and I've had my challenges like anybody else. But, you know, I'm a testament to just never giving up. And I will worked. You've all worked so hard, you know, and yes, (laughs) and a lot of people need to know that you guys are inspirations and they can follow their same route, you know, they just have to be working hard. That's it. You just show up for yourself, you know, and you find that when you do what you love, it's not work at all. You know, it's really weird. Like what I'm doing now, I started my own label and I, uh, and I wrote and I'm producing this album, which was really scary, but I got really, really, really sick. I got so sick that I didn't think I was leaving the hospital in 2020 now. And it wasn't COVID, right? So I had anemia uh, so bad that they had to give me um, blood transfusions. And the doctors were basically like, look, um, eight is severe anemia. And, And at eight, at eight, a level of eight, you can have a heart attack. I was at four. So I made a deal with God, basically, right? I was just like, I looked at my beautiful husband, who was such an incredible support, and he was sitting next to me in the hospital room. And I remember just thinking, I said, man, this could be it for me. And I'm really, I'm really happy. I didn't scratch the surface of what I wanted to do, but I'm happy and, and I'm and I'm honored to have been able to have lived the life that I lived this time around. I said, but God, if I wake up tomorrow, that's how badly I felt. I was so sick. I said, if I wake up tomorrow, I swear that I will do everything, everything, everything to do the album that I wanted to do since I was six years old. And that's what this album is. It's, it's, it's songs I love. It's songs that come from my heart. It's in some cases, it's like two songs that I'm remaking that are old classics. And then the rest of it, I promised myself it would be just songs that absolutely come from my experience that I feel a certain way when I hear them, because I figured that much like cooking, if you pour love into it, people are going to feel that doesn't matter what it is. So that's where we are right now, you know? Yes. And also, so the new album you're, you're working on and then on Halloween last year, you dropped that brand new single. Now help me say this, right? Because it's Hebrew, right? Tnili Nishka? Tnili Neshika. Tnili Neshika. It's beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So um, Tnili Neshika um, in, so 19, oh God, I'm dating myself fiercely. So when I was on tour um, with uh, Mark and um, Boys to Men, I 
pretty much had ended a relationship that I'd been in for a while. And it was, it was one of those relationships that were taking forever to separate from, right? We weren't together and yet we couldn't really fully separate. And we did that for like two years. So being on tour, um, uh, I met someone and I'm, you know, I'm really slow to burn. I, I, I'm really good by myself. So I'm not out looking for anyone like that kind of thing. So this person kind of started knocking on my door and I would just be like, not interested. And I wind up giving that an opportunity and I wind up falling in love with someone. And he was really, he was really famous at the time. So I fought getting involved with someone with that level of fame because I knew that it came with a lot of headaches and BS and media and not even like the media like today, thank God, because I would not have survived that. Mm. But I wind up getting involved with someone who was amazing. I won't say who, but I will say the reason why he's even coming up at all is because after about a year or so, when it didn't work out, um, I was really, really heartbroken. Um, he again, to this day, I think he's one of the most incredible human beings I ever met, but that song is about that person. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had met a girl by the name of Ayelet, uh, an Israeli girl. And we instantly, even though she barely spoke English and I didn't speak a lick of Hebrew, we became best friends. And she was like the, the, the Jewish version of me the Israeli version of me, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. She was like all this attitude. She always said what she was thinking. Um, and she nursed me through what was an incredibly difficult, uh, breakup for me. And to make me laugh, she would say things like if I cried or if I was having a hard day, she'd say booba, which means doll. Um, you know, she'd say, stop it. She'd say, come here, which meant, give me a kiss, give me a kiss. And it was to make me laugh, you know? And so she'd be like, yala, yala, So when I wrote the song, I named it in honor of my friendship with her and how she really, really nursed me through it. The song's about him and the song is dedicated to her and she just found out. So we spoke like a week ago and she was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you write this song about me. I'm so, I'm so very touched. It's amazing. I love you so much. I love you, my booba. I need to see you in Tanili Nishika. And, and I was just like, it's been since Halloween. Where the hell have you been? You know? And I'm so like, all the songs in my album are about something very, very specific. And Tanili Nishika, when I hear it, it mm. has that effect of the hurt in the stomach, the butterfly. It makes you relive the moment. And what I'm hoping is that so much love went into it that everyone that hears it, whether they're into the music or not, it doesn't matter because it's a vibration that takes them over and they go, oh my God, that feels mm. good. And it's happening. It's happening. People write me and they're like, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, it's different. Then the next day it was like, I don't know, there's something to this song. Now they're like, I can't stop listening to it. I'm like, yes, that's what we want. We want like you to. Yes. I like how you described it. Like it's like a vibration because it's so like, for me, I found it so like relaxing to listen to and, yes. and with the, combined with the video and everything, which you look gorgeous in are the Thank tattoos. You. Are those real tattoos? <laughs> No, let me like, talk. Wow. I know, right? I consider <laughs> Thank you. It's part of the it's part of the branding. You know, everything's branding mm -hmm. today. And um the branding of this particular album 
is a free-spirited gypsy woman, a traveler, but she is a representation. And I'm, and I'm not going to, initially it was a representation of women who have survived unsurmountable challenges, but I'm going to say people, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so she basically is to represent the strength that everyone who's ever looked at a really big challenge in the face and taken it on represents that spirit in them. Mm. So the tattoos and the hair and the, you'll see the cover of the album. It's all like, I'm saying, you know, the spirit is a badass. Your spirit is a badass. Even when you can't go anymore, your spirit is a badass. Just rest on it, pray to whatever you believe in, and just know that you got this. You got this far, you're fine. You know? This yeah. is, I'm, I'm really anticipating this new album now. I'm get, you're getting me excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I think yeah, all I'm the listeners too. And we'll, share some, we'll share some clips on the show too of some of this, like some of the old songs and the new ones too. So that will be yeah. wonderful. That's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. I'd love that. Okay. Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. 
It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network and happily powered by ATB. We are a bi-weekly podcast that aims to discuss selected conspiracy theories, alternative accounts, legends, myths, and more without coloring the topic with our conversation until the very end of the episode. We also feature beer reviews, lame jokes, bad puns, far too many 80s movies references, geek culture, and general nerdery. Our Our real aim is for for fun, inclusive content that doesn't take itself too too seriously. seriously. You don't have to be blisteringly paranoid of mind control to enjoy a chin wag with your old pals, Greg, Charlie, Andrew, the Irish Madman, and our podcast puppies, Kylo and Ren. (laughs) It's a Conspiracy is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Now, people also need to know about all the acting you've done because you've done some fantastic roles, including Frida in the movie Cradle Will Rock in 1999. How did you prepare for that role? Oh my God. Well, here's the thing. Okay. So <laughs> I did an acting course that someone bought me, right? Cause I had taken acting in school, grammar school, um, high school, a little bit in college. And someone bought me a course that I didn't want to do. And one of the classes in it was um, a comedy class. It was, it was like this whole curriculum. There was a comedy class and an hour of power class. The hour of power class was a class that was set up to help you overcome the rejection you were going to deal with when you went on auditions. Right. It's right. So it was, it was, it was built into this whole two year program, the comedy class. First thing I did day one, I was like, look, I said to the teacher, um, I need to cut this class because I'm not funny. I don't do funny. So this is a waste of money. And he was like, well, you know, why don't you try me? I'm like, whatever, fine. It's part of the curriculum. I had to do it. So he gives me a monologue that is really, really, really serious. And I do it in the way that I see, you know, as a kid, I saw a lot of stuff. And so I've learned to have a, I see things with life with a lot of life is ironic. And there's some crazy shit that happens that if you really, really try to break it down for people, it's really funny. Even the worst of it is hilarious, right? So I told a story that he gave me that other people had told before me in class and people laughed. And he's like, she's the best kind of funny because she doesn't know she's funny. And she's really just looking at the irony of life, he said. Mm. I, I trailed off. I always do this. Right. So... In because of that, the hour of power class, they gave me a book called, and everybody listen, because this is very important, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, right? And the book, supposedly, when you read it from cover to cover, something jumps out, smacks you in the head, and it gives you what it is you need to accomplish everything you've ever wanted in life. And I was like, whatever. So one of the things I had to do was write down describe the the man of my dreams and I thought oh here we go 
So I came in one day and when I was done making a list, everyone in the class was like, if you find that guy, my guy, basically when I was 50, had to look at me and be like, I made the right choice. This is, this was the woman for me. There's no other woman. He needed to respect me as a strong woman. And he also needed to open doors for me and needed, needed to be respectful of me and all this kind of stuff. I wrote all this kind of stuff. Well, fast forward, I'm married to that guy. Right. And people who knew me then are like, yo, what was that book again? Because I don't know anyone like your husband. So I read the book every time I've read this book, something huge has happened. I've read it like seven times. I read it. I got the major label deal. I read it again. I got a second major label deal when, when the first label deal went under, I read it. There was a big lawsuit. I was a part of, I came out on top. I read it. I said, I really wish that I could be in Italy. I need to run away from this thing, this relationship that I was in. Why Italy? I can't tell you. I go online three 30 in the morning. I'm depressed. There's an audition. It's in Italy. It happened three months ago. Hey, director, if you ever need anyone, guess what? My lead actor, she quit. Fly next week. I'm in Italy for three months. He pays for everything. And I wind up winning another lawsuit I'm in the middle of. Insane amounts of money. I'm living the life in Italy for three months. Mm. Right? Every time I read this book, something would happen. So I read this book. I come back. I say, I'm going to book a bunch of films. It's all going to happen at once because I was hitting the pavement. Nothing was happening. I got a call from this uh, agent. I didn't really know I had heard about him, Byron Crystal. He says, Karina, um, you sent me a picture. I thought it was a picture I had just sent out the day before. He said, uh, somebody saw you. I can't tell you anything about the project. They think you look like this character. It's a really big deal. A car is picking you up tomorrow morning. They're taking you to an undisclosed location. They can't, and, I'm, and because I knew he was a known person, <clears throat> I did it. Otherwise I'd be like, honey, I'm from the South Bronx. I'm not getting in anybody's car. That is just not happening. <laughs> You're giving me some information. Okay. So I did it. I get up in the morning. I get in this town car. They take me out to New Jersey. I'm in this old theater and everyone's like, shh, shh. and I'm like, what's going on? They're shushing me in the street. And I'm not even in the theater yet. I get into the theater. I hear cut. And they're like, no. Nah go behind the curtains, keep going. And then you'll see the theater. I'm like, okay, I go in and there are these massive film cameras. So I'm like, where am I? What is going on? They're like, who do you need? I was told to ask for, for, for Alan Greenberg. He's on stage, go on stage. As I walk to the stage, I see Bill Murray. Oh, <gasps> and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Right. I'm like, oh my God, that's Bill Murray. So they're like, go, go, go on the stage. They're on a cut. I'm like, but that's Bill Murray. So I get on stage and he looks at me. He's got the ventriloquist on me. And he's like, where do you think you're going? And I'm like, I'm looking for Alan Green. And he's like, he's over there. So as I walk over, a voice comes behind me and says, hey, how can I help you? Who, who, you must be Karina or something to that effect. And I turn around and the night before, I shit you not, I had just finished watching Hot Sucker Proxy with Tim Robbins oh. and I turn around and which I loved, I turn around and I'm like, <gasps> I said, Oh my God, you look like a really big Doogie Hauser because <laughs> <laughs> and, he laughed and he's like, Frida, you're my, I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, can you dance? I said, yes. He's like, let me see. He moves a little with me. He goes, 
to the honey wagon. We're putting makeup on you. We're going to do a test. I was like, what is happening here? I go into the honey wagon and who's sitting getting her makeup done? Susan Sarandon. I'm telling you, it was like, yeah. yeah. And after that, it was a wrap. I was in. Then John Cusack is playing Kennedy and Ruben Blades says, you can have Frida in a scene and she's not speaking. So they write lines for me on the spot. It was crazy after crazy. I'm telling you this book, there's like some magic in it. That's how that happened. He allowed me to sit next to him for two weeks, whether I was working or not. And he allowed me to watch the process of Susan Sarandon. There was Vanessa Redgrave, John Cusack, Joan Cusack. It was the most incredible thing that ever could have happened to me. So Tim Robbins to me is like a hero among heroes because he gave me, I mean, endless gifts. Yeah. So the next couple of years, it was the same thing. I just did all these films, one after the other, one after the other. Mm -hmm. And then I went and started focusing on the music again. And I made a couple of bets that didn't feel right. And because I didn't feel right and I did them anyway, they just kept falling. I kept falling on my face. But the one thing, you know, that I've learned throughout all of it is that when I don't honor myself is when I make, I've made the biggest mistakes, but guess what? The mistakes have taught me more than any of the good stuff has taught me. And that's the God's honest truth, you know? So there there you have it. I'm sorry. I go on these tangents. It's just that Oh, it all comes together, right? Like just the way that you're explaining everything, I'm finding it so like, I've used the word inspirational several times already, but it's true. I mean, we're all going to have to take a look at this book as well. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and just get through it, man. One time, one time, there's a couple of things you have to do. You have to write a statement. You have to read it at night in the morning. Um, but I swear I've read it seven times. I've started to read it again recently because I'm going into a bunch of stuff that's really, really like big, scary stuff that I'm looking to embark on. And this book just really gives you the sense that honestly, truly everything you want already is. Mm -hmm. Someone else has done it. It's why you know you want it. And if your heart and soul are in it, it already exists. And that part of you lives somewhere. You just have to connect to it so that you can live the experience of the part of you that's already living what you want. Yeah. And you go, oh my God, that's so much bigger than anything my brain can comprehend. But it actually, it really works. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, you know. Uh, well, it's it can do amazing things. And that's definitely your proof of that. Yes. And- so, but I'm just going to um, ask you one more thing about what's going on with, um, with the future. And before we wrap things up, um, you have a YouTube series online. Do you mean Lupita? You are, well, yes, there's Lupita. And then you are, you're a screenplay writer too. So you have a sitcom pilot called Latin in America. In America. Yeah. yeah. So what's happening with those things? So Latin in America. I wrote because my mother had dementia and I needed to find the humor again in in what was a very heartbreaking, difficult time in our lives. And, you know, uh, my mom was a very volatile, healthy person. You know, she she was a very strong leader of the community, but she was a badass. And sometimes she was a badass to a very frightening degree, 
right? Um, so she was the kind of person that people tended to avoid unless they needed something done in the community because she was the one that was going to get it done. Nobody wanted to deal with her, right? Mm-hmm. So when she needed computers for the neighborhood school and because she was in Harlem, the government wouldn't give the funding, Hillary Clinton came to our hood to try to do her, you know, whatever. When they get together, they do their little politic agenda type of ads. And my mother went. And when she saw my mom, she said, give her whatever she wants and get her out of here. So the kids had computers. Mm. This is the kind of person my mom was. What was I saying? Persuasive. Oh, okay. So thank, right. So, so I decided when my mom started, um, showing signs of dementia. One of the things that happened is that she became the exact opposite of what everyone knew her to be. She became very quiet. She was very docile. All the things that my mother never was. And that broke my heart because I knew that even though she was scary as herself, that this meant something was really wrong. So one of the things that would happen is that when she was in denial about being unwell, she insisted on dressing herself and she would put her panties on the outside of her jeans. She couldn't remember what order stuff went in. Mm-hmm. So I did some sort of an acting um, class with my husband where we had friends come over and we had to write little scenes. And I wrote a scene of what it was like to have a conversation with my mother about these belong on the inside. You can't wear these on the outside kind of thing. They thought it was so funny that then I grew the episode, it turned into an episode. And then I thought, who is the woman? So the woman, the main character is a young version of my mother, which I play. The older woman was my mother at the time with dementia. And then my children, my children who were growing up in a very gentrified type of neighborhood, right? Where my mother would tell you, you know, with a Latino household, when your mother looks at you, you know, you've done something wrong mm. and you just don't speak. You wait for the, for the, for the hammer to come down, so to speak. Right. And so when you're in a gentrified situation and things started to change, like children were taught that if your parents are abusing of you and abuse became a very general term for everything, verbal, this, that, you know, you can call the police. So Latin America had segments of, oh, you're going to call the police. I don't know how you're going to do that with 10 broken fingers. So let's, let's do this. And that's how my mom was. So it had that kind of, you know, so I created Latin America and I started shopping it. And while everyone who saw it loved it, they'd say, but you can't call it Latin in America. And their answer, their, their argument was because people don't really watch Latino shows. I said, well, it's not a Latino show. It's a show that happened to be written by a woman who's Latina, but it's about the American experience. Mm-hmm. That's the reason it never got picked up because I'm like, I'm not changing the name. Same thing happened with Tanili Neshika. They were like, you need to call it something else. It's too difficult for people to, to, to pronounce. I said, well, then they'll learn something new. Yeah. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't change his name. And we all say Schwarzenegger now, like don't. Yeah. So basically uh, we did it. Uh, We went in our own pockets. We shot three episodes. I'm really proud of. I put them out on YouTube for people to enjoy. And what's happening now is that we continue to create work. And at some point 
at some point, I don't want the kind of outside money that's going to influence the work in the wrong direction. It has to be pure. It has to be what I'm birthing. And because we haven't really come to that just yet, my album represents, this is all me. You take it or leave it. And if that goes the way that I'm, that I feel it will, that I, I have hope that it will, that money will be used to continue to grow all the projects that are sitting just waiting. And then it'll look like there was a plethora of Karina stuff falling on everyone that's existed for over 20 years. You know what I mean? So this album, this album, that's what it is. It is the, the jumping off point yeah. for things like Latin in America and Lupita who I, I want to work on a season of Lupita because people are just like, where's Lupita? I'm like, she's being lazy. She's like, <laughs> leave, me alone. leave me alone. I got a lot of things to do. And now you just bothering me. I I'm famous. I need to, I need to hide out for a little bit. And people are like, no, bring her back. Cause we miss her. So I got plans for Lupita. I got plans for Latin America. I've got several screenplays. Like I can do all these things, not because I'm so amazing and incredible, but because people have gotten or tried to get in the way. And I learned that it really is true that I had to work three and four times. If you come back at someone who says you can't do this and you do it better than they do and you continue to, oh, I can't do that either. So I'm going to I'm going to learn how to do this. People eventually have to stop telling you you can't do things because mm -hmm. if there's nothing I'm willing to do is get in the trenches and learn what I got to learn. So I write, direct, produce, perform. And it's, and it's simply because I needed to do it to survive so I could eat. Yeah. You know? But this is going to be so amazing. Like with all, all the things I'm looking forward to all of it. So I'll make sure to share some of the, the links for your yeah. YouTube and such. And yeah. yes. and we'll keep updating our listeners too in the future when you have news, new releases Absolutely. and it's I would exciting. love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm so excited because we're, so your show of oh, Canada. I love that. I just love that. I, you know, that's what I love about the internet more than anything is that we literally can talk to each other, sisters and brothers all over the world, yeah. any time of day. It's like, what a blessing. And the, there are a lot of ways that I'm like, oh man, you know, this kind of bites, like there, there's so many ways that people talk about the freedom and the, and, 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 and all the ways that we lose certain types of freedoms, but what we're gaining mm -hmm. is literally a connection to one another people we wouldn't have access to otherwise. So that's like, I'm excited. And I thank you for asking me to do this, you know? Oh, wow. Like just, and that's amazing. Like that's a real focus on the positive too, because we tend to sometimes focus on what negativity that the internet can bring and whatnot, but you're right. And I'm so grateful that we've got to connect this way. And now we can share this message. Cause this is honestly one of the best interviews I've had for feeling really uplifted. So thank you thank for that. You. Karina. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. You know, absolutely. Um, I can only, I can only give you what you bring. Honestly, you know, we're sharing in each other's vibration and, and, I just really, 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 there's enough pain. COVID has been, you know, um, oh my God, it's been so hard on so many of us. And, and it's so easy to see what's wrong. So while we're focused on what's wrong, there's a baby laughing somewhere. There's a flower growing somewhere. There's a blue sky and the sun is coming up and we're breathing and we don't even have to think about breathing. We just breathe. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Those are things that, 
you can say, man, I, I woke up this morning again today. Yeah. You know, it's another opportunity for something wonderful to happen. And that's just what we have to stay focused on. Cause it's really easy to do the other thing. It just is look for the blessings, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time and I'll keep in touch with you. I'd love to have you back in the future too. So, um, I can't wait to hear the new music. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. It was so great talking to you. You have a blessed day and thanks again. You too, Karina. You take care. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Nostalgia, or on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.